Welcome to Dragon Talk. How's everybody doing? I am Greg Tito. I'm joined by Shelly Mazanoble. Hello, everyone. It is our Happy New Year episode. Woo! Happy New Year. Happy New 2018. We got a little baby year right here who's little a week baby. old. Very tiny. They grow up so fast. They grow up very, very fast. Like so too fast. fast. Yes. Uh, we are excited to uh, start up our Dragon Talks recording for this year. Totes. We've got a really cool episode here. We are going to talk to uh, Joe Trier and Owen Falvey from How We, we Roll. roll. <laughs> That's going to do it all at the same time. From How, How We roll. roll. That cool podcast uh, from the UK. Yes. Uh, always looking to find out totally more about. Totally like class up this joint. Exactly. I wonder, they must have really good accents. They have. Them. Yeah, the best. Uh, so Dungeons & Dragons okay. is uh, going strong for 2018. I've been really busy doing tons of stuff uh, planning for this year. You guys are going to be really excited about all the amazing uh, books and or stories and or events that we're all talking about right now uh, for you. It's going to be pretty amazing, so that's going to be great. Um, and I just have to give a shout out real quick because I'm pretty sure, uh, oh no, never mind. Just kidding. Just kidding. I thought it was uh, uh, Ed Greenwood was in the Twitch chat, which I oh, thought was stop. which I thought was not so, but it's not. I don't think it is. I'm just kidding. But if it was, hi Ed Greenwood, El Minster is actually in the chat. <laughs> Wouldn't it be crazy if like all of a sudden like you know uh, uh, all of the wizards yes. eight were uh, uh, in there? Yes. So he shout out to be. to eight D and D fans out there. You should cosplay as uh, the eight wizards from uh, the old Greyhawk thing in our chat, and then uh, go back and forth. Uh, that's an idea right there. I'm bumping it to you guys out in the community to make Full it happen. Ideas. Love it. Uh, next time when we record this live on twitch.tv slash TND. So do you have any fun things from Avalon Hill? Did you wanted to kind of talk about? We have some fun things. You have fun things, too. There's a fun thing that we can't talk about-ish. Yeah. And a fun thing that we can talk about, which we've talked about, is Betrayal Legacy, which is like starting, um, Rob is starting to turn files over. Like actual files? Yeah. That is pretty cool. It's crazy. It's like, you know, we've talked about this for a long time, and he's been working on it for forever. Kind of his whole life. <laughs> like, even before he knew he was working on it. Like, everything he's ever done has really just been about this moment. Of course, we're talking about Rob Daviau. Yes. Uh, who uh, who invented the whole legacy genre. Right. With Risk gaming. Legacy. With and Risk then Legacy. Continued and it. then Pandemic Legacy and Seafall. Yeah. So, it's just weird, like, getting emails. It's like, files, turn it over. Like, uh, it's happening. That means it's a real product that people are going to be able to buy and play and enjoy uh, oh, they're for years enjoy to come, it. which is very, very cool. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Uh, really you actually good. have something that, that has been announced for 2018. I'm so jealous that you can actually talk about something. I can't talk about any of the things that I'm excited about. You can, and we'll just go beep. Yeah, right. Exactly. But then that doesn't work for the Twitch audience. It well, really don't, doesn't. You don't really say it. You just always say beep. Oh, you just say beep. Is that really what you do? Crap, I've been like saying the thing out loud the whole and, time. And like hoping that Palum catches it and beeps it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got lots of fun stuff happening on the uh, D&D Twitch channel. If uh, uh, you haven't uh, tuned in to watch, I suggest you do uh, because there's tons of fun stuff, including Dice Camera Action. Uh, it's been going strong every Tuesday. We had uh, um, Shaggy. <laughs> Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard, thank you. Uh, on as a guest, uh, playing a tabaxi named Bag of Nails for the last two episodes. A tabaxi? Exactly. And uh, uh, Chris and the rest of the gang will be taking that back up uh, this Tuesday. Uh, I think they're facing against someone very not uh, very strong, and it's going to be very terrible. Uh, but it will be fun regardless. Bag uh, of Nails they've is got, a good name. They've got lots of plans. they got lots of plans going. Uh, Miss Clicks D&D Risen is on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Uh, uh, the creator of... Um, oh man, I'm not good at this job anymore. I'm totally forgetting it. It's been a long time. It's, uh, it's uh, Curtis Weeb, uh, Rat Queens. He is the oh. creator of Rat Queens. We've talked to him, talking to him on this podcast you before. You had a little bit of an accent. I took I to him. I know. I'm getting an anticipation for our guests. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, without further ado, we are going to get to our segment on lore, which is about Modrons. Um, what are Modrons, you say? Well, I believe Matt Cernan we'll might be able to tell you right about now with some bings and some bongs.
everyone, and welcome to another segment of, what do we call this? Lore You Should Know! <laughs> we haven't done these in uh, about a month or so. Yeah, it's been a while. It's back in the swing of things with 2018, uh, and with this segment, we talk about little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore and uh, how you can use it in your game uh, and or just for your fun and edification, really. Uh, and today we're going to talk about Modrons, uh, Indeed. which are a very fun little... Uh, I guess a race is how we would define them yeah, in, in Dungeons yeah, & Dragons. Yeah, more uh, or less. Uh, but they're very different than, than many other D&D creatures. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly bring the fun. They do. So, uh, so what are they in a nutshell then, Matt? Oh, well, yeah, I should introduce you guys. I'm <laughs> joined by Matt Cernet. <laughs> Hello. And Chris Bergen. Hi there. Hey, guys. I've forgotten how to do this. It's been like a whole new uh, calendar and everything changes. Uh, so, yes, what, do, what, do, what are Modrons all about? So in the Great Wheel cosmology, where there's all the different planes that represent various alignments and so on, uh, Modrons are on the most lawful neutral plane. They are these sort of embodiments of law. And uh, they are embodiments of a quirky version of law. So one of the things that I like to think about with Modrons is that they are um, they're, they're lawful, not logical. So, <laughs> they set, set in their ways. They're a very strange uh, bunch of creatures. So they were, they were first in the, the Fiend Folio, I believe. Monster Manual 2. Monster Manual 2. Ah, yeah. there we go. Um, and uh, they were weird, sort of uh, geometrically shaped creatures. And some of them were not geometrically shaped. The, sort of the higher orders of them were sort of, uh, had kind of weird statue human column shape. Thing bodies, yeah, yeah. There are sort um, of two two grades of modrons. There's the lower order of modrons, which sort of are just geometric shapes with legs, sometimes with wings. Um, and then there are the hierarchs, which are the ones that Matt's describing that tend to take on. They look less ge- less like common geometric forms and have weird protuberances and yeah, other odd. I mean, there's one that kind of looks like it's a a, f- a horizontally made fan with a cone head sticking out of yeah. it and three legs underneath and weird arms. They're very strange. They're yes. strange. Yeah. And it's because they're from the plane of law, which is Mechanus? Is Mechanus. That right? yep. That's right. Yep. And when you say that they follow laws but not logic, what, what are the laws that they follow? So they have kind of their own um, version of what laws are. So there's, there's a couple different things. Um, one is the various orders of... Um, uh, Modrons can sort of only interpret so much uh, information. And so, like, the lowest order, or, order of uh, Modron can ar- sort of understand how to do, like, one task and be given sort of a simple instruction. Um, and one then day I'll be promoted, and then I can <laughs> do two tasks. <laughs> <laughs> and then a higher order can do, like, two, and then a, f- a few more. And you, you sort of you can go up the scale, and they get to sort of know more and understand more. Um, and then beyond that sort of structure, or within that structure, I should say, um, there's a certain number of them. So there's there's so many thousands of this type, so many thousands of this type, so many hundreds of this type, so many, until you get all the way up to the, the highest modern, which is Primus. And any time uh, a modern of uh, higher order dies, a lower order modern is elevated up into the higher order, and then they kind of shuffle up from there. So um, this, a new lower level monodrone comes off the assembly line. Yeah, and it's it just sort of spontaneously happens. And then besides that weird set of laws that they follow in their own sort of weird way, there's the Great Modern March, which happens. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm going to forget. It, it has a certain number of um, years that it happens between two hundred and eighty nine. There we go. And they wander around the Great Wheel and go in and out of the planes. That's why he's and, got the book in front. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't have my computer in front of me. Uh, and they they just do this thing, and and so they're very quirky, uh, strange creatures. What is okay, so? What is the Modron March? What do they do? They set out from Mechanus and they begin a long parade through the cosmos, um, basically going through uh, portals into other planes and kind of wandering the entire great wheel of the outer planes before making their way back home and occasionally diverting into other places like worlds. So the the great Modron march could take them through Faerun Mm -hmm. at some point, and they continue this march, and it literally is a march. And it's not clear to most of the creatures who witness this march um, what the ultimate end goal is. It is just something that the Modrons do. 
Right. Is it is it uh, some sort of survey of things? Do they have to do this to establish law? Is it a culling of their numbers? Is it who? Right. It's just a bizarre internal logic that they have of their own. Right. And Motrons, because they are so automated and follow this absolute strict regimen, which they never, ever deviate from, except in the weirdest cases, which we can talk about when we talk to about rogue Modrons. Yeah. Um, this is not something that they get any enjoyment out of. They are just beholden to follow the one in front of them until such yeah. time as that one stops. So there's a, an idea that Modrons all refer to themselves as we, and they just do as they're ordered by the higher Modrons, you know? And so it is just the this bizarre kind of hive mind mentality and they just do what they do. Are they, when you say high band, are they actually connected to each other and to a greater power? Well, the various higher low orders of motorons and so on have powers of telepathy and stuff like that and so they can communicate over sort of broad distances. Yeah, okay. The little guy doesn't know anything other than the order that's been given by his direct superior. Got it. So, and there, it's not even a question of faith that he follows the order. He simply does. Yeah. And There's a weird idea too in some of the uh, older lore. I'm not sure that we've, we've gotten that far in 5th edition yet where... Um, they can't actually understand uh, the Modrons that are um, higher or uh, two levels above them, right. I think. Yeah. They can only understand the ones that are, the Modrons that are a level below and a level above. And so, like, individually, that cast of, of Modron sort of exists in this universe where it's following the orders and then all these other weird beings that <laughs> they don't even necessarily identify as Modrons are, you know, interacting in the world around them, but they're just doing what they're supposed to do because they're limited in their focus. So. Yeah. Are they, are, are they um, uh, androids? Are they made of metal? Are they bio people? Um, so there have been different artistic interpretations of them, and mm-hmm. as far as I know, the lore hasn't gone into great detail about the, like, the inner working, like we haven't dissected a Modron and looked inside, but what we often see is a combination of biological and mechanical fused together. So in a way, they're sort of like cyborgs. Interesting. With a single purpose to do whatever they're just told. Um, But there's, based on how they've looked in the past, they're not just pure machines. There's more going on there. Like their their eyes are eyes, um, not shuttered metal things. Yeah, yeah. And their original depictions, you know, despite being like a geometric shape, like a long board, um, they were clearly meant to be fleshy. There was nothing mechanical about them, so it mm-hmm. wasn't until second edition that they started to look more sort of mechanical. Um, and then in third edition, they kind of didn't look like anything. And in fourth edition, they kind of didn't look like anything. So we <laughs> brought them back for fifth, because it's a weird thing where in third edition, um, they were kind of just... Uh, basically left out of the game. Um, they're, they're, I remember when I first came to work at Wizards about, I don't know, 18 years ago or whatever now, um, they were putting together the Monster Manual. I was like, hey, you got to put the Motorons in. And everybody was like, ah, no, we don't have to do that. Motorons are dumb. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and I had a little campaign where I emailed people pictures yeah. of Motorons with, marching with sticks, and they had, you know, save the Motorons. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cared. Oh, no, no one wanted to say the Motorons. So the, act, that's what the parade is, is for. Is the, the parade is so that everyone, exactly, more D&D yes, designers will right. put them in the game. There are two camps when it comes to Modrons. There are people who adore them and there are people who think they should be banished from all existence forever. But it I'm firmly in the first this. camp and they were the first creature that I had in mind to put in the outline for this monster manual because I've always been enamored with them. Nice. Oh, yeah. That's cool. So it was, it's, yeah, it was funny. So they actually got mentioned in the, the third edition manual of the planes and then there was like an 18 page uh, uh, web um, edition for the book that detailed the, the Motorons. Oh, banished to the web. <laughs> but it was totally <laughs> banished to the web. Nowhere else in the third edition did they get any mention whatsoever, basically. Oh my gosh. So I like maybe one like OP adventure or something like that. Well, what was the, I mean, if, I mean, I find that interesting that they, they, they didn't appear in those editions, but what was it about their inter- introduction in first edition and second edition? Like, what, what, how were they used then? Like, how are they used in adventures? They were tragically underused um, or not used at all, really. Mm. Um, They appeared in the first edition Monster Manual 2. I'll admit the art was a little dorky, and it made it it hard to kind of love them. Like, they seemed to... The story was great behind them, but what you were looking at in the pictures didn't actually inspire you terribly. Um, So it was the art order problem. The the Modrons (laughs) didn't really... um, 
get much attention until the second edition Planescape Adventure, The Great Modron March by Monty Cook, ah. um, which focused on their um, trundling through the plains. And all uh, what Monty did with that adventure was basically say that this event, this march, sets into motion a bunch of other things. Like it's, a, it's sort of this lawful march triggers a series of chaotic events that the, that the Modrons are basic, basically blissfully unaware of. Yeah, they're oblivious. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the fact that they are, you know, yeah. it's blindly like, it's following like, um, something. It's like Y2K. Right. <laughs> um, it, was, it was sort of like a precursor to that, a sense of panic that this strange thing is happening, which turns out to be completely harmless, but that doesn't, cause pe- that doesn't stop people from freaking out and doing bad things. But all the reactions to it yeah. were actually worse than the actual right. thing yes. itself. Yeah, because, I, I mean, if you just let the Modrons go through, they'll just pass through. <laughs> now, what's interesting is if the Modrons are on a march, and let's say it's been 289 years, and there's like a town now in right. the place where they used to march, they, based on their own internal set of logic, they've got to get through that town. How they do that to keep the march going might surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> Does it surprise them? Are they capable of... Like of, if, of if, if like a guard stands in the way, the lead Modron might just hack the guard down. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, disassemble a building that's in the way. Right, and, yes. You know, and, yeah, like, take apart a wall. Rather yeah. than going through a door, it'll right. start taking it apart. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. the easiest thing that I can think of. That's, how that's to do. Exactly. That's how it perceives to be the way to continue on with its task. Do they have emotions? No, no, not really. No, I wouldn't think so. No. no. So they can't. They don't. They're not happy. They're not sad. They're mm. not going to feel pleasure at doing anything. No. no. Okay. No. I mean, there there might be something more like a personality in a lot of the the or some of the higher orders of motorons yeah. that are like uh, when you get really close to um, the the leader who is what is Primus is yes. his name, uh, its name I should say because uh, they're all its. Um, and I mean that's there. There are certainly um, they're very intelligent when you get up into the higher orders when yes. they're in charge of millions of other Modrons and stuff like that. But now, theoretically, because they're only you mentioned Primus. What's what? What's the deal with Primus? Where did he come from, or it come he, from? He was uh, born out of the original. He was in the Monster Manual too, along with all of the other Modrons and all the other Hierarch Modrons. Um, he is a a sort of a supernal being who lives on Mechanus, what was back then Nirvana. And uh, he he doesn't look like a Modron, really. He kind of right. looks like a humanoid-ish with yeah. energy coming out of his arms, and uh, he's just sort of a stabilizing force in the multiverse. Now we do mention him in the Monster Manual when it comes to when we come to talking around about slots, mm. uh, because he had a hand. We say that now that he had a hand in their creation. Right? Oh. Yeah, that was sort of a, a, a little bit of invented um, uh, lore that came with 5th edition that yeah. sort of ex- cleaned up and explained some of the stuff going on with the Slod. So, nice. Well, good yeah. thing we'll be talking about Slod on another segment of Lore, you know, yeah. coming yes, very indeed. soon. Uh, but uh, other than being this immensely powerful godlike being that lives in Makanis, uh, Primus hasn't really been showcased anywhere, just name-dropped occasionally. Yeah. Nothing um, to do with the band. Of the oh, same just name. goddamn it! <laughs> <laughs> Nirvana. Primus, I was just gonna say, yeah, because like, he sucks. Yeah, exactly. Primus sucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, he and he kind of looked a little goofy back then too. So yeah, they have all these. There's a whole bunch of the images of the higher um, level uh, motorons, and they have bizarre sort of dome, big dome heads mm-hmm. that kind of flare out, and then big long sort Beard-like of like protrusions, face chins. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and they all kind of have that, and, and Primus is kind of the the prime example of that. It's very yeah. strange. We actually tried to reinvent Primus's look with Fifth Edition. We actually put some concept art time behind it, but yeah. none of the things we came up with really resonated, so we abandoned the idea. But there, but there's been only one, only right? one, and and yeah. he's been he's an immortal being who's been there as long yeah. as it's been there. I mean, in theory, if you killed Primus, I think you, you, there'd just be another Motoron that would get elevated. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Yeah, exactly. There, yeah. there are like two uh, Secundus Modrons waiting for him to fall yeah, off a right. cliff. We're going to go. So. Uh, <laughs> four, I think, is oh, okay. actually the... Okay. Well, and then how... So so how do we know he's been the only one? Maybe there's been several that have uh, been elevated. That possibly, just, but there's only ever one at a time. Yeah, right. Right, definitely. Um, but there may be Primus the first, Primus the second, Primus the third. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he... He is a being of utter um, order, uh, and so is the plane. The plane of Makanis is everything is in clockwork order there. 
uh, maintenance problems are dealt with swiftly. Uh, and uh, it's without Primus and without the Modrons and without Mechanus kind of helping to stabilize the Great Wheel, it's quite likely it would just fly off its axle. Oh, um, so there, that the presence of lawful neutral is important to the balance of the wheel, just like every other alignment is important to the balance of the wheel. So he is providing a valuable service to the existence of the cosmos in his own way. We just can't really fathom what it is because he's a god and we're not. And it's just super weird and alien. Uh, yeah. I mean, the plane itself is very strange, as many of the planes of, of the outer planes are. I mean, it's basically an infinite machine of massive gears, sometimes the size of continents that are spinning around in some sort of dark void space and they're all interacting with one another and some giant doing something <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> turning around and who knows yeah, what yeah, turning yeah. the wheel itself <laughs> yeah that's right. yeah maybe yeah maybe. uh right and that's how i've always in picture uh, uh envisioned modrons as being like this this extension of this clockwork that is able to yeah. go into the to the, the material plane and kind of you know mm-hmm. interact with it for some yeah. reason yeah. now occasionally something goes wrong with a modron and it can happen to any modron um and it gets a sense of awareness that its peers do not. There's not really any predictable rhyme or reason. It's an anomaly. Mm. And were it to be found, it would be destroyed. And uh, like all Modrons, when it's destroyed, it just sort of disintegrates. Uh, But sometimes it gets away and finds itself on some far-flung plane. Maybe it was in the march and it got lost or got knocked off the march somehow and knocked out for 10 minutes and then the march went by and it's just like, <laughs> like I don't I do. know what to do now. Yeah, my programming was yeah. follow the march and now there's right. no march and I don't uh, know what to do. Child like, found it yeah. and made it a pet like E.T. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so enter a Pixar film here. Um, but uh, it, uh, it, it can, can learn. It, a figure, sorry, it, it can surpass its programming in a way and become more than that. And uh, it's called a rogue modron because it doesn't, it can't really fit into the machine anymore. Yeah, it doesn't mean that it's you know crazy and you know murderous or anything like that. It just means that it's not part of the hive mind anymore. Exactly, it is. It has been separated from the hive mind and then is now just forced to cope on its own. Does is that the point when it, you would think it would become sentient or like are they sentient? I think it's, as modrons, it could be. We don't really say, but we we one could argue that. There is more to Modrons than their simple programming. It's just they've been trapped in a dead-end job uh, <laughs> doing repetitive work uh, and basically foregone any imagination or initiative. But forced to survive in the cruel multiverse by itself, it can delve into some reserve, uh, something that Primus put into their being where they can actually learn and develop and not be the one-task, two-task, three-task Modron that they were conceived as. Yeah. Interesting. And, I, I mean, I don't think we've never necessarily delved into it too much with stories, but I have to imagine that, that, that to, the, to, to Primus, that is, that is a frustrating <laughs> <laughs> yes. feature. Of, of, <laughs> like, there's, there's this great machine, and it's just missing that one screw. <laughs> 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 it's a Lego set with one piece missing. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> Where did it go? Did it fall on the ground somewhere? Yeah. yeah so, so, is there? I mean, that could be a plot of a story yeah. too. That Primus is searching for his rogue Modron. That it was very yeah. important. That had right. something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've often thought it'd be fun to, to I, and I haven't quite developed the idea, but like to have some sort of plot where you know, in, in the way that sometimes devils uh, influence some town or, or something like that, that somehow the town is turned to Modrons as their like law keepers and that that (laughs) hilarity ensues because you know they've they've contacted some modrons these these creatures of ultimate law and the modrons just don't get it right and so the strange laws are made and things have to happen you know like a like in uh, Star Trek Next Generation when Will Wheaton falls in the flower patch. <laughs> <laughs> right, like just, there's no interpretation of laws allowed. It's just like you followed it, you get the sentence. That's it. Yeah. You stepped yeah. on the grass, you did. You did. Uh, interesting. So is there any other ideas of how to use them in your game? I know they were in Curse, uh, not Curse of Trial, they were in uh, Out of the Abyss as like some Modrons. There were, had, there were Modron, stray Modrons there that had broken off from a march. Uh, and become stranded in the Underdark uh, with a Modron leader who is trying to keep a stiff upper lip. Um, Modrons appeared briefly in Tomb of Annihilation. Um, in, there's a part of the tomb where the traps are basically maintained by, with the help of a device called the Mechanist Chain. And if you disrupt that activity, Modrons can come out of a vortex and attack you mm. uh, because they still feel connected to that piece of their plane. Uh, 
Uh, but they're just sort of like a surprise. Oh, my God, Motrons, where'd they come from? Yeah, right. And then you deal with them and you fly away. Um, but uh, they haven't... Uh, we'll, we'll try to insert them in any way we can where it makes sense. Uh, they're j- I think they're, they could make cute companions, frustrating companions at times. Um, it's, it's a way to add like a bit of madness, even though they're, bit, even yes. though they're law-based. They're, the fact that they're so Quirky. strange yeah. and alien, as you said, that like, yeah, you're like, this is a world that has its own goings-on. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. And it's a way to add that into a, into a yeah, it's, they add They just sort of have a, a sort of a carriage of whimsy yeah. about them. So I think if, if your campaign can withstand it, uh, a, the little bit of whimsy can just remind players that it's not all serious fighting dragons and killing people and taking their money. Um, so that, it's frustrated chasing after mode runs that are doing something that you told them to do, but they're doing it again and again and again yes, and again. Yes, <laughs> they won't stop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting stuff. What about uh, uh, setting something on Mechanist itself or, or using some of the, the lore that we would do here? Is there something, some plot there that you could uh, mm-hmm. tease at? Well, it could be that you have to take something from Mechanist, like, like maybe... You live in a town where long ago a wizard built kind of like a clock tower or something like that, and it's broken. And you find out that one of the pieces that you need to repair it, you can only get from Makanis. So you have to sneak in, take a gear from a Makanis machine, mm. knowing that it's going to shut down and all the Modrons are going to come out to try to find out what the problem is and then get the heck out. Um, that's certainly a, a plot line that's possible. Yeah, um, I certainly could see something like you know some some evil artifact of chaos or something like that that you need to destroy and oh go crush it between the gears of Mechanus right and you have to go to find some great giant massive you know continent shaped gear and shove that thing in there and hope that it doesn't throw the whole thing out of wrath. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? right. It, you, use use the predictability of the yes. Modrons and how they work to to your advantage. Anytime that you've got sort of clockwork gears in your campaign, you can probably insert something to do with Modrons. Like there's a, in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, there's a magic item called the Clockwork Amulet, which is a simple device that contains little gears from Mechanis that basically allows you to choose a 10 instead of rolling on a die, on mm. a 20-sided die. So you can get an average result. It's a predictable average result. Yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, you'll run into some Modrons, and one of the Modrons will hear this clicking whirring of this thing and kind of fall in love with it and just follow you around because you've got this device. Right. And he just likes the sound of it. Um, you, you, you were like another tier up. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're... Maybe it was made out of his, like, dad or something. <laughs> <laughs> the well, boss that told him have, everything. They don't yeah. have dads, but... Yeah, right. Um, you know what the, I mean. the person that created him or the, right. the factory yes. that created him. Interesting. Yeah. It could also be that uh, you have a mechanical construct that was built using some of the same technology mm. that maybe was stolen or learned from how they build these things in Mechanus. And so um, uh, you, can, uh, you can create new Modrons or... Uh, new types or new Modron kin kind of dealies. Beyond, beyond the different casts, just the le- kind of last thing I want to touch on before we close this out, is there anything different between the monodrones and the duodrones and the tridrones? Like, do you want to talk about that at all before we get out of here? They change shape. Yep. And they have, they have var- varying capabilities and yes. stuff like that. Um, most, of the, uh, they, most Modrons have true sight, which allows them to see invisible stuff and you know, things like that. Um, but they become progressively tougher as they get up. You know, mm. when you get more sides, I guess you get tougher. Um, <laughs> it's like an extra hit dice yeah. with each, with each right. side on you. Uh, yeah. But sometimes they lose things, too. Like monodrones, which are the lowest form, they have little wings and they can fly. If they were promoted to duodrones, they no longer have their wings. Their wings go away and because they don't need it for whatever jobs that they're tasked with doing. Right. Um, so there's some there's structural changes to them and things like that. Um, but they're all basically just cute little yeah. geometric critters. Or not little in some cases. Some are or, big. Or not cute. One of, the, one of the notes I wrote up for when I was writing uh, sort of the, the base. Right yeah, of the, the starfish thing came at me, I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, right? That's <laughs> the one I keep looking at. Yeah. When I was writing some of the, the text that went into uh, inform that monster manual entry, uh, one of the things I wrote was that they were uh, selfless sociopaths because um, they, you know, they don't care about themselves or others or others right. <laughs> they just yeah. do what they're told so they're kind of creepy what are, yeah. what are ethics <laughs> yeah. and in some of the ways they just want to do the, the thing the most efficient way possible right, right. so if that means yes. cutting down the person in front of them it doesn't matter because it's, I'm just doing my job better yes this party member is sick and dying 
now we can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it is no longer a drain on our resources. We have, yes, we have saved resources. Yeah. Don't waste that potion of healing. <laughs> uh, all right. So now everybody make a, make a party of, of monodrones to play us. Of sociopathic monodrones. Yeah. What go. a fun game. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right, thanks, you guys. Uh, if people have any questions about Modrons, Mechanus, uh, whether Primus is a good band or not, uh, how should they get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. And I am on Twitter at, at Cernet, S E R N E T T. Awesome. And uh, I am at uh, Greg Tito, G R E G T I T O. I'm not sure why I spelled it, but I, I did this time. Yeah, it's good because we're trying new things in 2018. Yep. All right, thank you guys uh, for that uh, little bit on Modrons uh, for this Lurie Show. We'll be back uh, next week with some more fun more. Thanks. I feel like I know so much more about those crazy Modrons. Don't Matt you? Matt Cernet, totally brought it. The, Thank the, God. The monodrones, the duodrones, the tetradrones, all of them. Yep. They're from a whole different world. The teledrones. <laughs> the, the xylodrones. The droning on until you go to sleep. <laughs> We know all about them the now. The drony drone. Uh, speaking of drone, uh, I want to hear more from you, Shelley. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> good one. No, but I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to throw shade at our guests. So I'm like, yeah, be yeah. like, all right. So yeah. now we're. Gonna... You didn't have to do it at all. I should have done oh, that. You know... I should have done it myself. Yeah. 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 yeah right. I'm here we for bring you. each other up around. <gasps> what this was part? that? Was that a kitty? I just saw go by the screen. Oh my god, Did there was a kitty. It? Did you but see it? I do. But now let's go ask Joe uh, <laughs> right now what that kitty was. Hi, Joe. Bring the kitty back. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Hey guys, yeah, how are yeah, things? Really good. First off, thank you so much for uh, uh, bearing with us. I bet that was so fun. Watching for you to us, watch our technical difficulties. <laughs> we, we've all been there. We had to cancel the stream last Friday uh, due to my computer essentially blowing up. So it happens. Uh, so yeah, we have Owen Falvey. That was that was his musical voice. They do have accents. They do. I'm so glad. And uh, and Joe, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> From how we roll. They're probably that's saying the right. same yeah, thing about us. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, they're talking about our accents. They have true. really good accents. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that, I don't think about. Yeah, you were, you were nailing that Irish one. We were throwing in the... Talking. The bit called Yeah, it's, there. it's true. Uh, so, yeah, tell, tell our listeners about uh, how we roll and what you guys uh, have been doing. So, I guess we've been going about three years. Um, we, do, we do a lot of D&D. We're doing a, a Curse of Stride campaign at the moment, which has been going on for about six months. Um, we play a lot of horror, we play a lot of Cool of Cthulhu as well. Um, I guess we're pretty well edited, like I think we're probably down the more produced end. So we have sort of music and sound effects um, from Battle Bards and Saranscape and other people as well have been giving us some stuff. But we're very much, uh, are we allowed to say them? I hope so. No, no, you're okay. Uh, yeah, totally. Your, your video is doing some crazy funky it's stuff. Like, I'm like mesmerized. On our end. Uh, <laughs> so don't worry, keep talking. Um, I, I think we're, we're very much a roundtable podcast as well. I think some of the really produced podcasts are uh, uh, very, very edited, but I think we try and keep that really friendly group of mates around the table having fun, um, but we keep pace what up by mean, editing the, the arguments as well. stay in. The, <laughs> yeah. stay in. They, you know, the rules lawyering, everything stays in like a their normal D&D table. So. Yeah, so when you guys edit it, do you add uh, uh, sound effects and things like that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah just for sure. Very much punch so, effects yeah. going when we start fighting and everything. Nice. Was that so? What was that? What, is that a what cat? What do we see that keeps going by? Sorry, this? yeah. So I've had to lock myself away in the in the, the sitting the dining room of the house, and uh, I'm locked in with one of my cats. He's basically going mental and trying to sit on the computer. Oh, <laughs> kidding! And she's just doing like a circuit of the room. So she goes behind me, and then climbs up on the table, and then sits on the monitor. I have to drag her off. I just catch it at the last second when it's like. That's cat awesome. Going by. That's a really nice backdrop you've got, by the way. Oh, it's not a backdrop. It's my real house. I know, but it's nice. <laughs> it, it works for this. We kind of want it for ours now. It's true. Yeah, I like it's a big uh, open fireplace. Mm-hmm. I like D&D being D&D able book. to see you, and uh, hopefully our Twitch uh, audience loves seeing you guys too. So uh, uh, this is a new thing we're trying, and that's half of the reason why we had all the fun technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a panic today because I'm like, I, I watched all these dragon talks. It's just a picture comes up, and Joe goes, um, "Oh." There's going to be an email. I have the email. We're going to stream for the first time. I was like, oh, i got to clean my room so badly. <laughs> I, even to, I even put an exercise bike in the background to look like I exercise. Oh, <laughs> yeah. To, it I works. That today. If that's a true exercise bike, it needs to be covered with clothes. 
Yeah. Your they, dirty laundry. If you, go, if you go below the desk, it's nothing but clothes and shoes and just everything thrown off the, the bed that's behind me. So, yeah. That's the best part about video conferencing. <laughs> I'm wearing trousers today. Yeah, I couldn't take that risk again. That's good. Again. <laughs> that's good. Uh, so, Joe, how did you guys uh, get all together? Uh, were you were you friends ahead of time? I was going to say mates, but I thought that would be too uh, you're trying to too on the nose a little bit. I think be one of us mates is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that works. Uh, well, we actually, me and Owen, actually met through uh, online gaming. Was it uh, League of Legends? Is that right? Oh. Yeah. Almost ended the friendship before it began. <laughs> yeah, if you guys can survive that, you can survive anything. This is obviously yeah. before I got married and had children. Um, I got lots of time for online gaming. Um, <laughs> but I think we were playing and we were just chatting afterwards and it turned out um, we lived like two roads away. Oh, no <laughs> way. So, so we met for a drink and um, and then it was a few weeks later, a friend of mine who I knew through uh, board game nights was saying he was doing a, a D&D game. And I invited Owen and we went round and there was like 15 people there. Like he just invited everyone and just not expected so many people to turn up. And, he really and, wants to get uh, going. He says, I'll invite 15 people. There's, there's no way I know 15 people want to play D&D. And like two DMs and just two tables of seven. It was a nightmare. Um, oh, that sounds fun but, now. Yeah. But, but yeah, we that's met how it Dave as well. I mean, he was uh, also on the podcast. Uh, well, yeah, it was, it was a good good night. It was a, and, and, it, and after that, we started playing together. Um and then from then we sort of developed into a podcast. Now, who yeah, else we, is on the podcast? Is there others? We're kind of five regular so, players. Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's me and Owen, uh, kind of the hosts, I guess. And then we have uh, a guy called Dave, who's uh, currently in America right now, uh, hopefully flying back. Um, and then <laughs> we've got a guy called Niall, who I believe is in the chat. Uh, he, he said to, to say hi. Hi, Niall. Hi, Niall. <laughs> Uh, and then we've had a whole load of uh, sort of regular players that come in and out. And then we've started to have a whole load of guests as well coming on. So we've had uh, Aram Fatian from Godsfall, who I believe has been on your show That's right. a few times. Um, he's Love become Aram. a really regular player now. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. Just the most talented, like literally the nicest guy in the world. Like he's such a such a pleasure to have on the show. And he's playing like an awakened cat in the Curse of Strahd. He's hunting the Vistani who have... Uh, uh, he had an issue with in a different place, and he's followed them into Barovia to get revenge. Um, yeah, at this point, I'll, he's almost like we've, we've stopped saying special guests because it's it's great to have him on, but he's no longer special. He's been in so many episodes, but <laughs> he's t- coming in, taking all our spotlights. So he's the players. So I love that idea for his for his character though. That he was a familiar of a mage, and the mage passed yeah. away, and then uh, pa- cast awaken on the familiar, and then Excellent. is trying to like get revenge for who had killed his mage, right, or her mage. Yes. So in our world, the red Vistani, so there's, I've, I've kind of split the Vistani into two groups. There's the good Vistani, well, the Vistani who are just the normal ones. Then there's the red Vistani who are the ones that work hand in hand with Strahd and are actively evil. Ah. Um, and they travel the plains collecting magic items for, at the moment, presumably Strahd. And uh, whenever we get a special guest on the show, he, the red Vistani are the hooks. We've had, uh, obviously, Aram. We had uh, James Tomato from One Shot. We had um, Michael from RPG Academy. Um, we've got Lisa Lee's currently a, a guesting on our show at the moment as we travel through Valaki. I think she was on Dice Camera Action uh, last year or the year before. Yeah, she was. A couple episodes. Um, so it's, it's a nice hook to get people in if it's just for one recording or for a longer set of things. It's, it's working really well. That's cool. And the cool thing about the Rams thing as well, it's actually based on a real cat apparently from his fans just sent in a picture <laughs> to their Discord. And he's like, oh, I'm going to just make that a character. So there's like one fan who does like the best character out of his cat. That ever. is cool. Yeah, that. The, that person probably thought, oh, this will just be a joke, haha, <laughs> play a cat. And he's like, nope, I'm taking that one. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Joel's nice. cat heard that there's a star on the show, so trying his best to get on the camera now as well. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. She's actually disappeared. No, she sat down on the floor looking really cross. Oh. <laughs> when do cats not look cross? That's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, right. This is true. Uh, so, Owen, you, you said you're, you're uh, so are you guys based in, in London, in that area, or where in UK? Man- Manchester. So Manchester. I moved over in 2013. Well, was based in Manchester. I'd moved over for work in 2013. Um, and then two years ago, 2015, I moved back home to Ireland. So I'm currently in Ireland. So we're kind of split between UK players and Irish players. Interesting. We're, so our Irish players are ones in Canada, who was previously in Portugal. <laughs> Dave is UK based via America and Romania. He's kind of traveled around the place. So despite being a UK and Irish uh, podcast were fairly um, well-traveled. 
That is pretty cool. Yeah. What? Uh, so we, you know, we've heard to, to you know talk to Mark Holmes and, and other people about uh, what it's like in the in in England, I guess, as far as playing. But what's it like in Ireland? Is there a tradition of Dungeons the Dragons play there? I, I was listening to you guys talk about shops, and you're like, oh yeah, we've got like two or three in our neighborhood. I was like, we've got two or three in our country, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's getting a lot better. You know, like universities have D and D groups, and they're big. But I mean, I didn't play my first game until a couple of reasons. I was like, I'm definitely going to get addicted to Dungeons and Dragons if I play it. So I'd never ever encountered a, a group or a DM for years. And then a mate of mine, about when I was about 25, so five or six years ago, says, "Do you want to play a game of Fourth Edition?" And we played it. But he literally was a player starved, and, and by his own mission, not a DM. It wasn't a very well run game. Mm-hmm. And then essentially, my second game ever was with Joe. Um, and true to my worry of becoming addicted to it, I'm now in three years deep in the podcast, <laughs> regularly <laughs> enough, you know. Um, but there's big scenes in all the major universities and stuff, and game shops are popping up bigger. Like stuff like Magic and Dungeons Dragons, it's, as it's becoming more pop culture, it's becoming cooler. People are coming out of the woodwork who've played for years. Oh, that is like interesting. Safe for them now. I've heard, and I, I asked this about the other people, but so feel free if uh, if we're just rehashing stuff. But I I I've heard that Games Workshop. Uh, uh, stores and things are bigger in in the UK and, and the Europe in general. Is that is that true in Ireland yeah, too? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. My my first foray into this kind of nerd. I've been a computer gamer for years. My first foray was into Magic the Gathering, and it was true. Um, a friend of a, a friend, a friend of a friend of mine who's French, and like if you go to Europe, Magic the Gathering and uh, Games Workshop stuff is huge there, and D and D kind of came in off the back of that, but you have a lot of D&D players. I would say it's surpassed it now in Ireland. You don't see, like, Friday Night Magic as much as you'd hear people saying, oh, I've got a group going on Dungeons & Dragons. And a lot of it is people finding groups online with Roll20. So, like, if this was me growing up 15, 20 years ago and Roll20 was there, I'd have played Dungeons & Dragons a lot earlier because I'd have found a group, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, so, so just the, the internet has led, led uh, a lot more people together uh, to exactly. at least find like-minded individuals. That's it, and podcasts. I mean, the way I got to learn the game was I knew the rules long before I ever played because of podcasting and stuff. So it's, just, it's just so accessible. You can almost teach yourself the game and become a DM that way rather than having to learn by playing the game with someone else, you know? Right. Makes sense. Um, so uh, what do you guys think about that growth uh, of, of uh, I mean, do you feel like you're only playing for performance? Uh, does that ever weigh on you? <laughs> or do you, you know, how, how do you balance that so that you're still playing for, for enjoyment and not just for, for everyone else on the Internet? <laughs> I think uh, we, we get asked an awful lot, like, how do we start? Like, how do I go about starting my own D&D podcast? Or how about how do I start streaming? And I think one of my biggest pieces of advice is you've got to really be doing it for you before you do it for the audience. Because if you're not having fun and you're really kind of going, we've got to be serious, we're going to be role playing and then no jokes, then no one's going to want to listen to that either. So I think like we are genuinely just a really group of friends who have a good time together and we uh, like put our game out there. And that's certainly how we started. But I think, I, I'm sure I agree, we, we have the audience in our mind at all times. So things like pace is a really, really important thing. So certainly in combat, but even in role play, it's just making sure that every scene counts. So I think like the average episode is about 40 minutes to an hour. And in that, that episode, we try and have a beginning and a middle and have a cliffhanger to end it so that then we can then jump straight into the next episode afterwards. So I think having the audience in mind is just as important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in terms of keeping the fun in it and keeping, like, we definitely keep doing it. The show uh, fell off the, a cliff tomorrow or didn't became unpopular for whatever reason. I mean, we all have our different kick in the game that gets us going. Like, I love stress testing any situation that Joe does because <laughs> I'll pick up on a, li- a little detail of a description that says, well, let's see what he's planned on this or push him for a description. I just like doing that to the end. That's the way I like to play. In, in a, not like, mean-spirited way but just let's just see how this curveball affects him you've other guys like dave enjoys genuinely fighting my characters or trolling me hmm. Niall, and it, it is a massive are... power gamer isn't he dave like dave's really yeah. into the mechanics and uh, really trying to make the most powerful character he possibly can make yeah you, you get a wizard hat found as loose i, I want to wear it. it's like you're a paladin we have a wizard let's give it to him <laughs> we'll give you gold let's give it to him i will take that Niall. wand and that spell book and that wizard's <laughs> hat please thank you <laughs> And then Niall would be our, our more traditional nerd who 
like him and Joe are big readers, so he picks up all of the inspiration Joe gets from different areas for his campaigns. And me, who's relatively, I, I've read very little lore in D and D because I love actually discovering a story that Joe writes without knowing anything. He's like, oh, and this is this, and I was like, dude, we just met him. I don't know who he is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's very it's, important. It's like, yeah, it works well, so it's good fun. <laughs> I think one of the draws of the podcast is we do have a real range of players and I think we tick a lot of boxes for listeners and they can all, they yeah. can relate to them. Like I know when I had a bit of a, a, a gap in my playing where I just didn't have anyone to play with, I played vicariously through other podcasts and I would listen to them and feel like I was playing along with them. And I think that's something we, we wanted to do as well. And, and I think I even... Um, so as I add music and sound effects, I also add dice sounds. So when someone rolls a dice, I will go and I've recorded like a D20 and a D10 and a D6 and all these things. So yeah, right. for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to so get the microphone really just right like, yeah. to get that uh, that bouncing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've yeah, never recorded right. Foley before, so it, it took a bit of practice to get it right. <laughs> now, it do is you... interesting to see. With... Sorry. I was just going to say, do you find that it sounds different when you roll a 20 versus I, when you well, roll a 1? I was going to say, it does sound <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but a D4 sounds different than a D20. A D4 will sound so different. So you have to make sure that that's the right sound. It's the right die. You die. will get called out. Yeah, right, that's exactly. That's the commitment we have. That's the commitment we have. <laughs> to, to, yeah, right. You can do, it's like when you pour hot water into a cup. Like It just sounds different when it's hot versus I mean, that cold water. That is a water. thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? That is a thing. Yep. So like a hot natural 20 sounds different yep. than a yep. 18 does. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've not had complaints, but we have had people come in whose like minds were blown when they realised that I added the dice sounds in afterwards, and they're like, "Wow, that's I had no idea." And I think it really does add something. When we started doing it, it it changed the feel of the podcast a lot, which is really good. Yeah, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, because you can. It's like a suspend your disbelief type thing where you're like, "All right, I know this is edited, you know, yeah. intellectually, but you know, you can kind of forget." But about it's that. like that anticipation when you're playing, and the you know you roll the die to see what happens. You don't always get that on the podcast because, you know, or listening to a podcast. Yeah. You don't hear the dice always or it's like, you know. You don't get the tension that everyone's like standing up like, yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And if you you don't have that dice roll, you just have people roaring and screaming like, oh, (laughs) is that a crit or is that a fail with the dice? Are you happy? Are those happy tears or are they sad tears? Yeah. Sometimes you can't tell from the exclamation whether or not it's a good, is that a happy yell or a sad yell? I can't tell. (laughs) Yep. And there's that one guy who, who's happy his mate has finally got a, a one and then their mate who's heartbroken and crying in the corner because he's got <laughs> the one. I think uh, one of our early reviews, actually, they said that one of the reasons they like us is that we celebrate failure as much as success. And, like, if something <laughs> goes wrong, then actually that's sometimes just as fun, if not more fun, because we can create a new story that no one was expecting over that yeah. failure. So uh, it's, it's definitely something like to explore. Sometimes. Oh, well, yeah, this is true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> characters tend to die quite a lot, unfortunately. Oh, so don't get I'm, too I'm attached. Yeah. Well, I, I roll in the open, so I haven't used a DM screen since since I played as a teenager, I don't think. So I think a big part of the tension is that I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, so we, I try and manage the challenge rating and manage the story and the narrative around it. But ultimately, there have been situations where I'm rolling a dice. And if I roll high, then the whole party dies and the podcast ends. <laughs> like, and it's <laughs> very, very tense. Yeah. One of our first IRL games, he genuinely killed two players in two attacks with the one hag, was it? And it, it, it actually yeah. Dave was in that game. It was the IRL game when what spawned the podcast effectively oh yeah yes it's a, a sea hag they have a, a a gaze attack that if you uh, look at them then you have to make a death save and it's this was fourth edition so i think there was a lot of saves you got to make before you died and one person just failed all of them and uh, a guy called graham just just laughed horribly at him i mean entertainingly it was just taking the mickey so much and then he caught the exact same thing in the next round and failed yeah. all his saves so it was oh, brilliant. oh my god yeah, there was Owen left on his own versus this hag after two his mates was dropped straight away. So that's the kind of player Joe is. He doesn't hide it. It, it is good fun. It's interesting. But then there is those times when it's like, oh, he's just rolled two nat 20s. Um, we should pick up the bodies and run. Ah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what happens. Retreat. So. so Joe, do you write your own adventures? or are you? Because you, you mentioned Curse of Strahd. So do you do you go between uh, pre-made adventures or in your own? Or do you combine them? So um, we, do, we do a bit of both. So I mean, actually, I've just written a, a scenario for Call of Cthulhu, which is out now for buy. But um, I do tend to use published material because a lot of our fans want to hear it played yeah. and 
um, want to see how someone else does it. Um, and Curse of Stride particularly, like there's just this amazing wealth of background and history and these incredible interactions between NPCs that I think a lot of people that go through the story just never find out because I mean, Valaki, for example, which is one of the major towns, there's all this stuff happening in the backstory, but a lot of people go in, they do some of the little stories and then go out to one of the, the other main plot areas. And so one of the things I try and do in my writing is uh, link all the uh, stories together, often with a lot of foreshadowing on the way towards the place, so that when they hear our podcast, they it's much more of a story. Um, I know Chris Perkins did the same in Falaki and Dice Catmore Action with this sort of amazing way that he linked uh, Holly Conrad's backstory with uh, one of the NPCs and it was just incredible and it's it's interactions like that I think people really appreciate um and then it's just adding my own twist as well I know some people that listen to the podcast want to play it themselves and so I think if we played it straight out of the book we could potentially do sort of ruin it for people so by adding our own twists and our own turns and our own bits of story I think uh, it makes it more fun and gives a lot more playability to our listeners as well yeah yeah, so, a lot of people will. Go, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go on. I want you to. No, talk. I want you to. <laughs> I do. I was going to say that uh, when I started here, you know, two and a half years ago, there was a lot of ideas about like, oh, we don't want to spoil the story. We can't give away too much, and we definitely do hold some details back for from from some adventures. But in general, my whole tack has been like everybody spoiling everything. Like you're getting it all spoiled to you by watching a podcast, by doing anything. Why shouldn't we be the ones to do it too? Why shouldn't we <laughs> be like, right? We should, like, we should celebrate the fact <laughs> that each table is going to be completely different and add different things. And, you know, I don't know if, if, if Chris uh, had decided to, you know, uh, link those characters with Holly ahead of time, or if that was a last minute improvisation or, you know, everything like uh, everybody's going to come up with different choices and things like that. So I don't, I, I never felt that us playing through, the content was was a spoiler because it, it essentially everybody's table is going to be have a completely different experience just based on you know one or two choices and then extrapolating that out right it's like, it's even more so than a video games uh, where you have like branching storylines or something like that or branching dialogue you know those feel infinite but it, you know in a game like D anD D where there's so much choice there's very soon you're off the rails and it's by no means <laughs> the same curse of straw that someone is going to play down the street right right yeah. right. There's been numerous evenings where we finish a recording and we're still on Twitch and Joe goes, well, that was nowhere near where I expected uh, to end up. I'm going to have to write a whole new section and figure out how it loops back around to where I'm hoping to go. Right? So, I mean, and, that, and those are the best sessions. Yeah. They are, yeah. Oh, they're they're oh, the best, oh. genuinely. Definitely. We, uh, the, one of the biggest ones we had was um, they went into uh, Castle Ravenloft essentially for dinner. <laughs> like, that was a thing. It was going to be a really <laughs> short thing and then off to the old bone grinder. And um, they ended up in combat with uh, with the Chamberlain and then running into Castle Ravenloft, into this, you know, 90-room dungeon, which, I mean, I'd, I've read it and prepped it, but we had this amazing series of sessions where they are just literally fleeing through the catacombs of uh, Castle Ravenloft, being chased by um, uh, Rahadin and his undead beholder, which I added for fun. <laughs> for fun. Uh, like you do. And he, he ends that uh, session with, why did you run? We saw an undead beholder and we're level four. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it was like a Scooby Doo scene of just door, random scene, door, random <laughs> scene. So, that was like, like one, said, of our, one of the best to play. I want to hear that one. Yeah. So, when you're writing content, are you writing it thinking about how it's going to play out live? Or can you turn that part of your brain off now? Or, do, or is it just like, like, is it, oh, you know. Oh <laughs> I think um, I, I tend to write um, a big, almost sort of flowchart, say uh, what what the places are, so I know what's in each room. And I think at least half of my writing is just writing really detailed descriptions of places and NPCs that would be really evocative for the players and, and for the listener as well. And the rest of it is just me trying to come up with ideas of like, what if they did this? Or what if they did this? Or what if they do run into Castle Ravenloft? And it, and it was an option that I had considered. And so it wasn't totally improvised, although a lot of it was. And I think I'd like to think I'd do it even if I wasn't on the podcast. I, yeah. I mean, I, I do a lot of prep. I'm one of those DMs that, you know, if we play for five hours, I've done at least five hours of prep for that session. Um, and I'd like to think I'd, I'd do the same. Um, but then we only play once a month, so I do get that additional time to to prep and write and come up with ideas and things. Having having played real life games with you, Joe, and and one of the moments to kind of spring the moment where I kind of said I think we could do a podcast was we're in I think it was 
was it Daggerfall? And Joe did a big Daggerfall, yeah, just like near Waterdeep. A big, huge, beautiful. Not, not the Elder Scrolls like a, game. Where? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was one of my favorite uh, uh, computer RPGs because it was like, you can go anywhere and do anything. Yeah, and, and that's where I came from in the world coming to D&D. But I remember Joe gave this beautiful description of um, a square with a, a festival that just ended and he had all this big description. And to me, he gave a very detailed description of a gypsy caravan camp in the back. And I said, okay, I'm going to go up and interact with these guys. And Long story short, it came out that these were part of the Harpers, and I got a cool magic item off them, and we can call them whenever we want. And every game afterwards, we'd talk about the games we had and what we liked and didn't like. And I was like, that was so cool with the gypsies. I mean, that, I, I didn't did you expect anyone to pick up on that hint. He's like, no, no, that was just a description to say there was two gypsy caravans packing up. And yeah, I was like, there was no writing. <laughs> oh, right. Like... Okay. I love that. And like, yeah, Joe seems to, I could be wrong, I don't words in your mouth, Joe, but he seems to have prepared well if he does go talk to those gypsies this is how i'm going to describe the scene and what they're like and their character but he hadn't intended me to ever go near there and to me it felt like it was all prepared and scripted and i kind of like going oh if that's you know how it is at the most unplanned times we might have something here <laughs> effectively and that was before you guys started doing the podcast right yeah i, so, I yeah, so we we started playing uh chris perkins's uh, age of worms which was in dragon magazine oh, i think yeah. Uh, That's where I started playing too. And it was just, it was just so good. So we played through some of that, but the group kind of fell apart. Um, maybe after a TPK or something along those lines. It was your fault. A bit of a meat grinder. And uh, and then me and Owen and and Dave actually, who who um, was in the game that me and Owen kind of met through. Um, we just got together and we started drinking. Going, oh, you know, we could do a podcast. And then after I a few more drinks. As well on a phone Sorry. to see how it actually sounded, so it wasn't just us, you know, sitting around the table having some glasses of wine and some beer and going, maybe we're just funny. I think we're funny because we're drunk. So like, <laughs> next in the cold light of day, listeners like, oh no, we're actually pretty okay and funny. And then I kind of approached it to the guys. But the first episodes are fairly, fairly janky. I mean, we're we're working off essentially a little better than laptop mics. Do you guys so. play uh, not for the podcast at all? Not, not so much. Um, I went to Dragon Meet, which is a big convention in the UK down in London over Christmas, and I did a convention game. Um, and it, it turned out I actually did it for a whole load of other podcasters. And so we got like the press room and we got six hours in there with um, some of the other podcasters. So Wizard of the Wind, uh, Champions RPG, and I always spell it wrong, it's pronounced it wrong, but Dempia, Demipia, Demipia, um, and a Demipia. few others. And um and we did a Call of Cthulhu game together, which was great. But um, I mean, I've, I'm married now. Um, I've got a little two-year-old. So my time is is. I basically went out when it's gone. It's gone. It's taken. You have an imp who's taken. She basically said you can do computer games or you can do your podcast. Like not in a mean way, but just in like realistically. Yeah. You just you really have to make the choice, otherwise you can't do either properly. So don't worry. When they get to be four years old, that you'd have totally time. They join you. You get so much time after that. Yeah. Oh, I, I, can I told Joe yeah. the Patrick Rutgers episodes like. Joe, just do that. We can have another player in about three or four years. Yeah, exactly. Emily can start playing with us. That's true. That's the way to do it. Yep. Yeah, we still have to do that. Let's, let's combine. Let's combine our efforts and have our uh, our kids play together. Yes. Do you think they will destroy each other? No. Oh. I think they'll work together. Really? I see Edna as the DM though. She could be. She could be. My, my six year old. Uh, she's already de- designing her little worlds and her maps. Oh wow! Yeah. She yeah. runs the show. Like, I would, I would have her be my dear. They fight my my two little girls. They fight more over most of the playtime that they have together is fighting over who gets to control the game, like what what they're pretending <laughs> and what they were like. No, I don't want to do that. I want to be the princesses. No, we're ninjas, you know. And they do lots of hmm. back and forth about that. So having no a DM. structure, then yeah, right. There's no DM. If there's like a you know, hey, this is the role that you guys are gonna be playing right now. That makes a lot more sense. Have they played No Thank You Evil? They haven't yet. We have it. We you tried. have a copy? Yeah. Okay. And we actually said, we should get the Tito's over here because Quinn was like, <laughs> like bouncing off. He'll come back. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to punch this guy in the face. And then he's away. But. Then we got to get uh, uh, Joe to bring. What, what was your daughter's name? Emily. Uh, Emily. 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 We got to get Emily to join. And yep. Joe, fly yep. on over. Owen, you can come too as long as you bring <laughs> Dennis. do it this way. <laughs> Skype. You'll do it over I Skype. I'm this charm about me, I guess, do I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Awesome. Well, it was really great having you guys on and talking about uh, uh, your podcast. I want to feel like uh, uh, we should find out more about where people can find out about uh, how we roll. Where, let, let us know. Uh, what's the best? What's the so, links? Where, where are you guys on Twitter? Uh, so I'm at HWR Podcast um, on Twitter. Um, we've got a webpage, so howwerollpodcast.com, uh, iTunes, and anywhere you can download a podcast really is where you can find us. We've got Facebook, uh, got a Discord channel, uh, Reddit page, all sorts of places you can find us. Owen, you've got a Twitter handle? Yeah, so my Twitter handle is howwerollown. I give a, a, a bit of a spelling for your fans. So Owen is E-O-G-H-A-N. There's a Whoa. lot of silent letters in it, the Irish way. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get into the, like, the whole Celtic oh uh, nature of, of your background and how that works with Dungeons & Dragons perfectly. Yeah, my, my ability time. to be one voice really, really helps as well. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so I'm so glad I know that those letters together are Owen. I now. know. I had no idea. That was a little intimidating. So I've learned at go. least one thing in this uh, in this interview. So where do you recommend people start with the How We Roll podcast? Is it is there an episode we should jump into or just? So we we've we've, def- we've tried to be quite episodic. So um, we do it with our D and D. It's very much in chapters. So you definitely could start with chapter one of Curse of Star, which is the Death House, or you could jump in. There's a really good one uh, called The Banquet of the Damned, which is where we're joined by Ram for the first time and James D'Amato mm-hmm. um, from One Shot and Michael from RPG Academy. That's a really good starting place. Um, I'd, I'd definitely probably choose one of uh, something we've recorded in the last year or two. Um, our first ones are really good. Like People still really like them, and they've said, do not archive them, which was my plan. But it was before we really learned what we were doing. So um, i definitely start with Curse of Strahd, or if you're into it, any of our Call of Cthulhu stuff as well. That's been really popular. And uh, we've had a lot of the writers of Call of Cthulhu actually on the show as guest players and guest DMs. So again, oh, that's, that's your cool. thing. That is cool. Definitely check it out. I think as Owen put it, it was janky. The original yeah. first, first recording. Janky, janky's polite. I was also editing that, and that was literally like, is this 10 minutes boring or not? Cut it. it was no, there was no polish put on it. So, yeah, it's, it's janky is putting it very politely. Nice. I think uh, every podcast starts out that way. So, uh, uh, kudos to you for getting through that gauntlet and making something uh, yeah. uh, that people really like. Yeah. It has its charm. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, people checking out more of your stuff, and uh, we'll see you around in the on the interwaves. Fantastic! Thank you very much. Care. Pleasure. Thanks right. for thank having you. us. Thank you. Thanks, you guys, and thank you for staying up so yeah, late. Thanks for your patience. Your time. I know it is late. Any time for Dragon Talk. Awesome. Aww. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the best. Talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. Okay, bye. bye. Yeah, take it easy. Sweet. They're so nice. They are very nice. I know. I want to go to uh, uh, Ireland. It's a and hotbed of D and D. Exactly. A growing hotbed. It's growing. We got to start. Well, lighting. that's how we should go. We got to light the the peat fire underneath uh, we Ireland go do and get a, a live with... dragon talk there. Let's do it right now. Let's go on tour in a castle. <laughs> they've got them over uh, there. They do. Yeah. Like, like, like two or let's three. Let's do the dragon talk world tour. All right. Let's. You and me. We'll do a full court press on Nathan. Okay. We might need to go Everybody, on a boat. What, during the fireside chat, you need to make this suggestion over and over and inside. We're not watching any more D&D until you send Greg and Shelly on the road. That is World a great idea. Fireside uh, chat. So that's the Friday, uh, the 12th. Is that what uh, Friday is? I'm looking at you. I guess. Is that what Friday? I don't know how. how Today's the 8th. Today's the 8th. So, so 8 plus 5. Yeah, 12. It's my birthday. <gasps> It's, it's Ryan's, Ryan's birthday! birthday! So not only should you watch Nathan uh, do that on twitch.tv slash dnd at 11 a.m. Pacific time on the 12th, but you should also make sure to be on there and wish Ryan a happy birthday, too, Yay. even though he won't be watching or won't ever see it, but we'll see it, and I'll pass You'll it You'll know. Your ears will burn <laughs> in the most spectacular celebratory way. So many burnings. All right, oh, so we're, oh. doing, we're doing our... Uh, you know, we, uh, I, I've already tried to pitch this to uh, a, a partner, uh, which you might be able to guess from the name of my show, oh. Air D&D. Oh, my uh, God. Are we going to rent awesome houses on the beach and play D&D in them? No, castles. Okay. <laughs> but also those. Yeah, and things on the beach and, like, Greek palaces and uh, yurts in Yemen. Oh, my God. I know, I'm making stuff up, but I think it's going to be fun. Let's do it. Yes. All right. No cruises. Maybe not in 2018. We're gonna, it's, it's all going to be one cruise. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Dang Did it. you hear, like, over 
I think it was over break. What? There was like a big norovirus outbreak on a cruise ship. Oh, God, of course there is. Chris Dupuis sent me the link. Really? He texted me. He was like, Shelly, your worst nightmare. (laughs) And I even just read the headline. I was like, oh, 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 no. I'm like, wait, I'm not. You know, you can't get it through the phone. You can't. You can't. But that's how freaked out I am about it. Science fiction will tell you different, but. All right, fine. We'll be on a plane, which will be totally not. It's better. You can't get sick on a plane. I'm fine. I'll go on the plane. I'll get in the castle, the fresh castle air. I'm so excited. Castle air. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said, like, mmm, that fresh castle air. Uh, it smells like uh, Irish mud. Spring, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, the little thing show. on the wall. Exactly. I can't wait. I can't wait either. We're going to make it happen. So uh, make sure you mention our names as well as our Twitter handles. What are they? Uh, at Greg Tito. Uh-huh. At Shelly Moo. That's right. Yeah. And you can follow at Wizards underscore DND. Uh, even if you want to tell Nathan about that, you can, you can follow Nathan at Nathan B. Stewart. Just tell him you have a great idea. Yeah. We should go on the road. Let's do it. And we're going to live there. For we're a long time. And a Winnebago. Yeah. Would, we could play on the road. Like, actually, like, let's do it. Yeah. I think that's how it sounds. Okay. Right. All right. Game on. All right. You guys got to make this happen. Yeah. We are going to sign off from this episode. Thank you so much for this first one of 2018. We got more to Ooh, come. I'm glad we got that done. Woo. First one's always, you know, nervous. We it f- is. We forget how we do things. And then we haven't talked in so long. Second, third, fourth, be easy peasy after this. Yeah. Free sailing. Thanks, you guys. Uh, we will be back. If you want to give a review, I haven't done this in a while, throw it out there. Put a review up on iTunes, on Google Play, uh, anywhere people can find out about this podcast. Want to get more uh, people figuring out about this hobby as well as uh, what Dungeons & Dragons is doing in 2018. Uh, so every little bit helps. Spread the word. Retweet. Make it happen. And uh, we'll get into more ear holes uh, this year. Whoa. Yeah. What? What did you just say? Your ear holes. That is not what I heard. <laughs> Did you hear what I heard? That's a perfect way to end it, and I think we're going to have some rocks fall pretty soon. Oh! Boom! My head. Everyone done. Everyone done.